good to see the snow is back on the video. But James, I think if you think next Sunday is early Christmas shopping, <laughs> you've got another thing coming, mate. <clears throat> I wonder if you'd like to turn to Psalm 121. While you're finding that, um, I'm going to try and answer a question this morning, and that question is this, where do we look for for help? Where do you look for for help? I think as I've got older, and that's a process that happens to you as well, by the way, as we've got older, as I get older, I recognize more and more my need for help. I think I've become less self-assured as I've got a bit older. I, I recognize I'm not this kind of independent agent that maybe uh, youth kind of uh, puts upon us, but I do need help. And I'm going to read a psalm, and this psalm is written by someone who was aware of the reality of that. So Psalm 121, let's read this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. The psalm was written by a traveler, by a pilgrim, someone who was probably traveling towards Jerusalem. And so you have to, to get the, the kind of meaning of what was, has been written here, you have to put yourself, as it were, in the shoes of that traveler, of that pilgrim. You have to imagine being on the journey with him. And you have to imagine as the journey was coming to an end, as he approached Jerusalem, that weary and hungry, wondering when quite the journey would end. Of course, he didn't have Google Maps. He wasn't, kind of didn't know that it was just five more minutes and he'd get there. All he could do was look to the hills to see something familiar. But as that journey was coming to an end, the heat and the distance would have taken their toll on him. The threat of robbery would have added and heightened the sense of anxiety for our traveler. And he lifts his head from the narrow path and he looks to the hills and he says, where's my help coming from? When will help come? Now this is a, a picture that is used by numerous storytellers. And many filmmakers actually use this same image, this kind of metaphor. And uh, if you're anything like me, you're an avid film watcher, you would have seen this kind of scene many, many times. It draws on the most basic of human hopes. Imagine this, the battle rages, as it were, in the valley. The enemy seems to have the upper hand. The hero is losing hope of victory. Everything seems lost. And then in the darkest of dark moments, when everyone seems to have left, hope comes over the hill. If, you, if you're a watcher of, of cowboy films, you'll know that's when the cavalry comes over the hill. If you're interested in the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy, there was the moment in Helm's Deep where Gandalf comes over the ridge and suddenly the battle 
seems to change and they begin to win. You will be familiar with this story because it draws on something deep within each of us. You've probably known times in your life where this would have been a metaphor for you, when this would be something that you deeply understand. I was thinking about this. We lived in Cape Town for a few years, and some of you would be familiar with that city. And Cape Town is a city that is beautiful, and it's dominated by this mountain, this table mountain. And everything is governed by the mountain. And actually what happens is, as you journey around Cape Town, you learn that to find out where you are, you just look up to the mountain. That's where you look for help. And you think, oh, yes. I see where I am. I can work out where I need to go because I can see relative to the rest of the mountain where I am. That's true most of the time. One, one evening, I, was, I think I was driving the church combi, which is like a, like a minibus, and I was taking some people home to a place called Mitchell's Plain. And those of you who know Mitchell's Plain will know that's not the kind of place you want to get lost. Uh, you find bits of people in, in Mitchell's Plain. <laughs> Anyway, I got lost in Mitchell's plane, and so I thought, well, that's fine. I'll look to the mountain. I'll see where I am, and I can work out where I need to go. So that's what I did, and I dropped the last person off late at night, turned to the mountain, nothing. Mist had covered the whole thing. I was properly lost in a part of town that I didn't want to be lost in. And now I'm thinking, well, how on earth do I work out where I am? I can't even see the mountain. I don't know where I am relative to anything, and I don't know my way home. And actually... It was a moment where your prayer life kind of kicks in there. And yes, so I asked God, help me. And actually what happened was that the, the fog lifted a bit. I could see enough to know where I was and I got my way out. It was real in that moment, but for us often it's a metaphor, isn't it? It's a, it's a story that we would identify with, maybe not like that, but maybe, yeah, you know, I've known moments where I've been caught in that situation. Where is my help going to come from? The writer of this psalm, he doesn't leave us in any doubt what he believes. He says this, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth, he says. And on the surface, that could seem just like some kind of vain hope. Your help comes from God, oh really? Is that it? Is that the best you've got for me? My help comes from God, really? That's it? That's who's coming over the hill to help? But this is no isolated poem or tragic lament sung into the night. This is the confident song of a people who had known God's miraculous deliverance on many, many occasions. They had seen deliverance from the Egyptian oppressors, the tyranny of slavery in Egypt. They'd known God's provision over 40 years of wandering through the desert. They'd known God provide again and again. They'd seen the visible presence of God with them time and time again. This is what's behind what's being sung and said in this psalm. This people had known the provision of a land, of a home for themselves. And David, a contemporary of this songwriter, if not the writer itself, himself, had seen God's protection over a lifetime of trusting in him. God's close attendance is promised in this psalm. It's promised in the journey, and it's promised in the day, and it's promised in the night. And God's promising it in the heat of the sun and in the confusion of the darkness. God is promising help. And then at the end there, it says, I promise to keep you from all harm. 
And then I have another question. I have another question for this psalm, this psalm writer. And you might too. You might say, well, surely this psalm writer has a different idea of what constitutes harm than you or I might have. What does it mean? The psalmist would have known vicious enemies. The nation did, certainly. And they were all too familiar with tragedy. How could they say, he'll keep me safe from all harm? How could he possibly say that with confidence? Well, the end of this journey and the end of mine and yours is not Jerusalem. It's not a city. It's not a place that can be seen on earth. It's as C.S. Lewis put it, it's, it's the far-off country which your heart tells you. This is what C.S. Lewis says about that in his book, The Weight of Glory. In speaking of this desire for your own far-off country, I feel a certain shyness. I'm almost committing an indecency. I'm trying to rip open the inconsolable secret in each one of you. The secret which hurts so much that you take revenge on it by calling it names like nostalgia, like romanticism, like adolescence. The secret also pierces with such sweetness that when, in very intimate conversation, the mention of it becomes imminent, we grow awkward and affect to laugh at ourselves. The secret that we cannot hide and yet we cannot tell, though we desire to do both. We cannot tell it because it's a desire for something that has never actually appeared in our experience. We cannot hide it because our experience is constantly suggesting it. And we betray ourselves like lovers at the mention of a name. Our commonest expedient is to call it beauty and behave as if that had settled the matter. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they're mistaken for the real thing, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshippers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. What C.S. Lewis is saying there is that deep within each of us, and in the psalm writer himself, there's the desire, the knowledge of something beyond, and it's what the Bible constantly points us to, constantly, time and time again. It's saying, don't get so caught up in the temporary that you miss something of far more importance, something that requires safe passage, something that's gonna need help to get there. We are obsessed with the temporary, with the immediate. We're obsessed with help now, more so than ever before. And the Bible challenges us on this point again and again, and C.S. Lewis again points us to it. He says, you know, you know it's there. It's calling and speaking to you all the time. You see, this ultimate safe passage to this country is a desire which underpins all our desires for safety now. And we think it's about now, but it's not about now, it's about something into the future. And this is, the, this is the mystery of the Bible. It's for that that Jesus died. It's to give you safe passage there that he died. 
And he says in Matthew 28, I'll, I'll be with you always. I'll not leave you alone. Even he says to the very end of the age. So the promise of help in this psalm is most certainly for this life, most certainly for now, and for that we should be grateful. But that gratitude pales into insignificance next to the promise of an eternal home in that far-off country which C.S. Lewis points us towards. So maybe when I look to the hills for help, what I need to do is look a little bit higher, a little bit further, and what I see is a cross on a hill and a man on a cross, and that man cries out, it's done, it's finished. He says, your help is secure by my own life. He promises you help and safe passage. He knows our frame, as people used to call it. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows the bitter taste of betrayal. He knows the agony of abandonment. He knows the fear that physical pain can bring. And yet he leads us on this path through all of it to a place that he has prepared for us all. This far off country that only he has the right to lead us to. Only he has earned that right through his death and resurrection. So when we look for help, the Bible tells us, look to him. Look to a man on a hill, crying out, it's finished. Identifying, loving, caring, calling us to do the same. Asking us to believe, calling us into the far off country. Where do you look for help? Where do you think it's coming from? Someone once said, no one else is coming for you. No one else is coming for you, but he has come for you. The psalmist says, where does my help come from? He says, it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I think my message this morning is this. Take courage, take courage. The one who made you is here. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us on our own. We thank you that you come to us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us even now. And Father, I pray for the honesty in our own hearts and minds and souls to recognize that you are calling each of us to know you, to follow you, to love you. And yet you're not just calling on us, you're calling us on to that far off country which you promise. And thank you for the safe passage through Jesus that you give us. Amen.